do you seem so scared? All I wanted to do was play with you. Welcome to Terror Tracks. We publish new episodes every Monday at 2 a.m. EST. Go to terrortracks.com slash shop if you would like to support the show. And follow us on social media at terrortracks.com slash follow. Enjoy the show. Chapter 6 Mother I woke up in a cold sweat. Another nightmare. Can't say I was too surprised. My head pounded. One hell of a headache to wake up to. Worse than any hangover. I got up and left the room to find Mike writing in a large hardcover book. It had countless pages of notes written in a foreign language. Its letters resembled Chinese, but I wasn't sure. Mike noticed me standing behind him and closed the book quickly. What was he hiding from me? I did not want to insult him, so I didn't pry. Last thing I needed was to lose my only lead to finding anything out. Mike, do you ever see kids in the church? I asked. Yes, the church had many children attend. Sure. Why? Do you see any wounds on me anywhere? No. Your neck is a tad red, probably from the rough bedding. I apologize. It's the best I have to offer. Yeah, I had a hell of a dream. Anyway, what do you know about the man known as the Red Reaper? Red Reaper? You know, the guy that runs around here with a red scythe. Oh, dear. Not much, I'm afraid. I know he and this other thing roam the town. That's all I know. They never enter here. All right, let's go. We exited the church and walked uptown. Mike was a man of few words, but when he spoke, it was usually warranted. We arrived back at the old neighborhood cul-de-sac. Memories came back in a rush. My whole childhood flashed before my eyes. The sad movie of my life. Starting out so good and then turning so rotten. Becoming a cop was my way of trying to be the good I wanted back so desperately. The irony of my job detailing some of the most gruesome and heinous crimes back in Drova wasn't lost on me even all these years later. Despite my best efforts to run from the nightmare that Norcastle had become, I ended up taking a job that gave me a front row seat to them. Misery and depression were my normal range of emotions. I had almost become numb to it all. Almost. And then the Norcastle began haunting me again, just as it did all those years ago. The memories fresh in my mind playing over and over. The nightmares that robbed me of the little sleep I had been getting prior. Now, as I stood there and saw my old neighborhood in such disrepair with my best friend who didn't even remember me, I sort of felt like laughing at the whole thing. The long joke had run its course, and I finally had to admit that I was the punchline. You okay? Yeah, just a lot to take in. Well, my house is right there. Which one was yours? Mike asked. I stopped and realized the house wasn't overgrown anymore. It was in perfect condition. The white paint had been restored and all the windows fixed. I felt my head throb. I saw Hurley murdering my father again upstairs through the window, but this time Hurley looked different. He looked more like Dr. Moore. Maybe I had gone crazy after all. Maybe after chasing the crazies for so many years, I had finally been driven over the proverbial edge. I was as sharp as a tack before a year ago, 
Now I was imagining things. Or was I? After all, several things so far didn't make a lick of sense in this case. I turned to look at Mike and then back up to the window. He was gone. We opened the chain-link fence and walked up the stairs to my porch. The old porch swing creaked as it blew in the wind. Its rusted chains rattled. Inside my house, it looked identical to how we left it. Strange. The smell of meatballs my mother used to cook lingered. The old oil stains in the hall left by my father from when he would come home still painted the floor. Despite his best efforts, he could never get them out completely. The staircase leading up to my room still had the broken banister bar from when I fell down the stairs. The double glass doors to the living room revealed the old furniture still remained. I walked down the hall to our old studio space. Our guitars, amps, and grand piano were all in the same places. It was strange seeing this all preserved so well. How could that even be possible? We took everything with us when we moved. It was like being inside of a time capsule, a relic of my dark past, a past I had tried so hard to forget. Now I had to face it, all of it. I'd be lying if I said I was ready. Does it look familiar? Mike asked. Yeah, exactly as we left it, I said. That's odd. This house belonged to the Levin family. Yeah, that's my last name. Don't you remember now? Mike shook his head. The Levin family didn't have any children. For God's sake, what are you talking about? It was me and my brother Nicholas. We both lived here. Mrs. Levin was unable to conceive. You must be mistaken. I grabbed Mike and pinned him against the wall. The hell are you talking about? Is this some kind of joke? You think this shit is funny? No, I honestly don't know who you are. Please, let me go. I bumped him against the wall. Not until you give me some answers. What the hell is going on in this town? Mike trembled. Let me go, and I will explain everything I know. Please. I let go of him, apologized, and stormed out of the house. Tell me what happened after I left. Mike sat down on the porch swing. I leaned against one of the porch's round white pillars. About ten years ago, a string of murders started. Horrible, gruesome scenes. Children were drowned in bathtubs. Husbands disemboweled and ate their wives. It was horrible. The police couldn't stop it, so they all ran. Did they ever find what started it? No. All I know is inside the church, I'm safe. I sighed and rubbed my forehead in frustration. The pounding of my migraine hadn't subsided in the slightest. I had so many questions I had lost count. It was time for some answers. There was no way an entire town starts killing each other for no reason. I kicked back from the banister and patted Mike on the shoulder. Mike's house emitted an ominous aura. Something was definitely not right in that house. I could feel it deep in my soul. Can we go inside your house? I asked. Mike nodded. We entered the front door to Mike's house. It creaked as it opened, in desperate need of some WD-40. He didn't seem to be bothered by it at all. The house was empty. We walked in and I felt another headache come. Mike disappeared and ghostly images returned. Mike's dad, Clyde, had a large bottle of whiskey in his hand, drinking it in his recliner. As soon as he was done, he lit a cigarette and laid back. Spoons clanked and Linda talked to herself from the kitchen. It smelled like chicken Alfredo. A few moments passed and Clyde stumbled toward the kitchen. His image left a trail behind him, a ghostly trail. A loud scuffle came from the kitchen and Linda screamed. 
I ran into the kitchen. Clyde slapped Linda repeatedly. You've been fucking around on me? After all these years together, you are up there fucking around with Andrew Valentine? I see the way he looks at you, Clyde said. Linda screamed and put her hands up, trying to avoid his blows. No, it's not like that. Stop it. Clyde slapped her again. You two-timing whore. She fell to the ground and cried. He stumbled backward, and his back slammed against the fridge. Clyde recovered and started to stumble toward her again. She grabbed a knife from the floor and swung it at him. Stay back, you bastard, she screamed. Put the knife down, right now, he yelled. No, it's over. Don't move. He stumbled forward. You fucking whore. The knife plunged deep inside, piercing his heart. The blood poured out onto the floor as he fell to his knees, looking up at her and then fell on his back. She sobbed and wiped her face with her bloody hand. She got to her knees and stabbed him again repeatedly, screaming bastard with each plunge. He groaned and gagged until he finally went limp. She coughed and dry heaved as she crawled to the corner of the room. I walked toward her, holding my hand out. She took the knife and slid it slowly up her wrist, sobbing, asking for Cyrus to forgive her. Then she vanished. You all right? I looked back and saw Mike standing there. Everything was back to normal. What happened to your parents? I asked. I don't know. They gave me up to the church at an early age, Mike said. Are you sure about that? Yes, fairly certain. What were their names? Tom and Clarice. Do you know anyone named Linda and Clyde Ramirez? No, who were they? I looked back in the house and asked Mike to walk back outside so I could investigate it further. I walked into the kitchen and checked the drawers. They were all empty, but I found a blood-stained handprint against the wall. I took out my camera and took a snapshot of it, then threw on my latex gloves to check the drawers. The drawers were empty. The bloody handprint did make me wonder if it was Mike's parents I saw, or if the man outside was the real Mike. I walked back into the living room and checked the old recliner Clyde used to sit in. It had a few beer cans behind it crushed together. I held it in my hand and made a fist, finding it was probably him discarding them as he drank. But from a moment ago, I saw him drinking whiskey. Strange. I continued to check throughout the house, eventually coming up to Mike and Tommy's old bedroom. On the end table laid a diary. Its leather exterior had the golden lettering that read, My Little Diary, which dated it back to around 2040. It was a hot ticket item for kids back then. It was basically a tablet inside of a leather case, but the kids wanted it so bad. I opened the book and unlocked the screen. December 31st, 2040. Mom and Dad fought again. I really think that one day Daddy is going to kill Mommy. I don't know what to do about it. I pray to Lord Cyrus every day to take my Daddy away, but he never does. It makes me wonder if Lord Cyrus even cares about us at all. Why would he let such things go on? Mommy didn't do anything wrong. She always treated Daddy very nice. I am planning to run away. Forever. I'm not coming back until Daddy stops hitting Mommy. I know a man in Demora named Maury. He's friends with Father Pritchard up at the local temple. Maybe he can take me away from here and move me to Demora. Anything to get away from Daddy. Tommy Ramirez. Poor guy. I felt bad for him. I wondered if Mike remembered Tommy. I walked outside to see Mike sitting on the front porch waiting for me. I took the tablet and put it into my inner suit pocket. Mike, 
Do you remember having a brother named Tommy? Tommy? No. Why? I found this diary. He says that he was going to run to Father Pritchard to get to a man in Demora named Maury. Any of that ring a bell? Not really. I do remember I had a friend named Tommy, though. He moved away somewhere, but I never knew where or why. He just vanished one day, I guess. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow us, go to terrortracks.com slash follow. Also, please check out our Patreon where you can get cool merch, writing lessons, and other awesome rewards starting at $5 a month at patreon.com slash terrortracks. See you next week. Goodbye for now.